How many remember how I always introduce this guy? Oh, come on. How many times have you been here? My favorite what? Yeah, I used to say he's, he's my former, but I'm not going to say it. Because he's not that guy at all. A great contender of the faith. A son in the faith that I'm super proud of. A man that has devoted himself to serving others. At a great cost and expense to himself. It's a man who's supporting the work of the Lord worldwide. A man soon to retire from his secular work, although he's living the life in front of uh, the men that he works with, serves under and serves over. His heart's desire is to be the man to carry not just the, the resources that are so desperately needed, but to bring the spirit of Christ with the heart of Christ with him. Many of you know this man and his lovely bride, Jen. Great people and servants. And I'm so thankful for Matt Keikla and the great encouragement he's been to me. So let's give it up for Matt Keikla. because I checked it like a smart guy to make sure it wasn't leaking. Guess what it did last night? And at some point about midnight, it <laughs> and as I'm on the floor trying to figure out what happened, I hear the loving voice of my wife, you're so noisy. <laughs> so I apologize to the fellow members of Pollard Cabin. <clears throat> I have got the message today of beating the fear of economic collapse, right? We talked a lot about last year, Speaking of last year, you notice I didn't wear a hat? I'm hoping the sun comes in. Yes, off this nice paint of mine, blind mat for making fun of us bald people yesterday or last year. <laughs> but last year, we talked a lot about the things that are coming. And I'm telling you what, folks, if there is any time in history to be concerned, and for people that understand and to know, and as the scriptures say, we may not know the day or the hour, but we understand the seasonal changes, it's going to get crazy, right? I told Matt on the way down here, I've put $100 on the, on the armrest that I think there's probably going to be a nuclear detonation in the next five years. It's getting crazy out there. Putin, if he doesn't win, he will die. Okay, and he knows that. Now, all of that said, right, we need to be people that can learn how to operate, how to function, and how to get the job done, no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so today, my specific topic is what? Beating the fear of economic collapse. How do you overcome the fear of economic collapse? Let's go through a little bit of, of backlog here. Ryan told us last night, we have a choice. Did a very good job of telling us we have a choice. Where we listen, because every day we make a choice, who do I serve, myself or others? Myself or my Lord, and, and by de facto, we all understand, by serving Jesus, it means we will serve others. Right. 
That's, that's the choice. Sue talked about obstacles. Are there obstacles in our lives? Yes, there are obstacles. How do we overcome those things? By faith and by focus on Jesus Christ. Right? You want to grab that okay? Josiah came up here. I love it. Face everything and rise. And he talked about one key thing that's going to take to implement what I'm going to talk about today, and that's trust. Right? And then my brother comes up here and talks about a wonderful deal, and that is suffering. And not just that will it happen, but can you have the faith to cause yourself to suffer for the sake of other people's health? Did I get that right? Somehow, we are going to suffer. But if we look at the example of whose footsteps were to follow, he took on the suffering for our sake so that others may live. And as you're reading that, I'm thinking of Romans 8. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. So brothers and sisters, how do we get to a place then to not fear economic collapse? How do we get to a place to not fear about our own worries? And I love the trust. I mean, it came down to it, and that's why I interrupted you and said, listen, we've got to trust. Him, right? It comes down to that trust. But I want to talk about first what are God's core principles with our own personal economics? Okay? And the first place I want to go, I don't know whose water this is when I'm taking it off. Gut health, right? <laughs> Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Get the spirit of Josiah. That's right. <laughs> then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worship. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. So as we get our understanding of our personal economics understood, understand there is nothing here you are taking with you. Anything of true value isn't a thing. Anything that's of true value is somebody. Yes. And when we start understanding that, we will get our own economic picture right. Now, I'm not going to be, I, I enjoy things. You guys know me, right? I, I work hard. We play hard. Kind of a Kaikula motto, but we also put a lot of people ahead of those things. So I don't, and I'm not perfect in this either. Understand, I wrote this message for me, not for you. I'm just here to repeat it for your benefit maybe today. But understand, we need to get first and foremost in our heads that we are not taking anything with us. You're not collecting anything. All the cool things, gadgets, gizmos, whatchamacallits, widgets, they're staying here. Somebody else that you don't know, you don't care about or you maybe might not like is going to end up with your stuff so get it figured out second of all first timothy chapter 6 verses 7 through 10 for we have brought nothing into the world so we cannot take anything out of it either if we have food and clothing with these we shall be content but with those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a snare, and a many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of 
money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a grief. Now what does that scripture say? The love of money, right? We hear it all the time, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. A brick is not the root of all evil. A gun is not the root of all evil, right? It's the intention with which it's used. We continue on, 1 Timothy chapter 3, it is a, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires, aspires to be the, excuse me, if any man aspires to the office of overseers, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer must then be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Are we seeing a pattern? Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So in our personal economics, we need them to understand one, we ain't taking anything with us. And two, we need to be free from the love of money. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of people fall into a lot of temptations and a lot of snares and a lot of traps, right? From the love of money. And so we need to personally purge that from your heart. Purge it from your heart. Now, does money do great things? Yes, it does. As Dave Ramsey says, does money buy fun stuff? Yes, it does. But if your sole goal is for the cash, if your sole goal is for the wealth, and that's what drives you, I have worked with people like that, and they are miserable. They are miserable and end, ultimately ended up going to hell because I hate to say this and put that kind of import on it, but you can tell how serious you are about something by what you spend your money on. Right? right? And, and believe me, I say that sometimes to my detriment. Just ask my wife about my fishing closet. <laughs> but I'm serious, right? We need to be honest with ourselves about these things. Where you put your money is where your heart is. Where you put your wealth is where your, where your heart is. And what are the two things that are wealth? Time, because you can't buy that, and money. And so we need to have that mindset. And I wanted to start out with that as a baseline. And then I want to throw this at you. You guys all came down to Oregon, right? <clears throat> Beautiful country, terrible politics. Anybody disagree with that? How many of you Montanans want to come down here and take on a what, 40th year of a Democratic governor? But I'm here to tell you today, and, and mind you, this is going to be the shocker of the weekend. God wants you to be a liberal. And I'm not joking. God wants you to be a liberal. Just like the beloved rainbow, which I love. I wanted to do rainbow lights in our house. And it's like, we can't do that. Okay, I'm try. They stole that promise. And somewhere along the lines, they stole the mindset of being liberal. And I want to bring that back to the glorious thing that God says it is today with you here. To understand that only by being a liberal will you be free from the fear of economic collapse. And let me prove that to you. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure, brothers and sisters, it will be measured to you in return. So everything economically in your life, if you're not happy, you need to look in the mirror and ask myself, have I measured correctly, and do I give accordingly? Because if you don't think you got enough, that's because, frankly, you ain't given enough. And we need to understand that. Nobody wants to talk about this topic. No preacher wants to talk about it. So Bill says, I'll have Matt come and preach this. <laughs> right? Amen. But the reality is, is we need to understand that you get what you give. You reap what you sow. It's called the law of the harvest. And if you're fearful of your economic condition, it's because you've got a hard heart and do not know how to put others before yourself. Because there is no fear when you... Where is he? Where is he? Trust God. When you trust God and trust that he will provide, you don't worry about giving too much to your hurt. You don't worry about, oh, I can't afford to do that. You don't worry about where's the next dollar going to come from. Because you trust him that if you do what's right, he will provide. Now i got to give a shout out to Charlie Jacobs. He did a message, and I can't remember if it was a Peaks or a family camp, Back in 1998, we're going to use the scripture he used later, but man, it pierced me to the heart. And at that time, we'd already made the commitment that Jen was staying home with the kids. She wasn't going back to get a job. And we were beans and rice, rice and beans, right? And Charlie preached a message, and all of a sudden, I felt like, we got to start paying tithes now. And we did. How do you think that worked out for us? Great. It worked out wonderfully. And I am forever indebted to Charlie for preaching that message. Because it got me, and at the same time, we were basically at the same stage of life. He was an apprentice electrician, I was an apprentice plumber, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do this, because he threw it out there and said, listen, God says, trust, test me in this. And I'm here to tell you, however many years later on now, 24, 25 years, he has richly blessed us for that decision. I'm just going to tell you, I'll be the testimony to the fact when you decide to put others before yourself, he will bless you. You don't have to worry about things. Do I trust him? You don't have to hoard things because you trust him. And that trust is absolutely key. That we don't, and I've been there, brother. I'm a strong dude. I'm here to figure things out. You give me a problem, right? You guys have all seen that meme with the guy and the gal on the couch, and she's got a nail sticking out of her head. I don't want to talk about the nail. Hey, I'm a nail guy. We, we got to get rid of this problem, right? I just need to get rid of the nail. And I've been there. I've, I've, I've tried to trust myself too often. And guess what? I've been put through trials and I've been put through suffering to realize I cannot operate that way. I have got to trust him. I've got to lean on him and have the humility to know that it is all about him. It's not about me. It's what can he do through me, not what can I do. And that's where we really need to be as Christians. Uh, let me see. Mark chapter 4, verses 23 to 29. If anyone has ears to, hear, ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. No, no problem. Even what he has shall be taken away from him. Why do you think that is? 
So they're hoarding. They're holding on tight, right? They're holding it, thinking they're going to keep it if they just hold on tight enough. And God says, uh-uh, it's gone. And until you figure that out, you will struggle. Financially, spiritually, and just in this world. You, you get what you give, you reap what you sow. <clears throat> Matt chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. It again comes down, and it's not just money, it's time, it's focus, it's prayer, it's everything, it's the entirety of our lives, it's the whole picture. If you give sparingly in anything, you will reap sparingly in all. If you don't care for others, no one will care for you. We have got to understand this, and if you want that peace that surpasses understanding, you've got to be others-focused. Because only then does that unlock the blessing that God wants to give to us, pressed down, overflowing, as he has said. Second Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, Namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that the boasting about you may not be empty in any case, so that, as I was saying, you might be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we will not speak of you. Not we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift. So that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift, not affected by covetous, not affected by covetousness. Now I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must do as he has purposed in his own heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is key right here, brothers. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed, as it is written. Amen. He scattered abroad and he gave to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. So understand, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. You want to know how to have no fear in an economic collapse? Give through it. Start giving to others. Start putting others as more important as yourself. Start seeing the important work that the people are trying to do in our own communities and around the world and start helping them and putting your hand to the plow. I praise God because my current position, and it's frustrating at times, I don't get a lot of Bible studies. I just don't have a lot of time. But man, I can give and I got a wife that I can put out there and put to work in a million different areas and that's a huge blessing but it's frustrating for me at times as you guys know I mean when I was an apprentice and I would get off at 3 30 so I actually had an afternoon I could go have Bible studies then I started teaching the apprenticeship and then I just had it I mean there's a reason that the Pleasant Hill or the Oregon City Church of Christ for a long time was full of plumbers plumbers and pipe fitters I mean and I miss those days but the one thing is I know that if I can at least help fund, if I can give to other folks, I've got my hand to the plow. Right. And I'm telling you what, there is no truer statement that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Anybody seen the movie, and I'm going to make some points with the ladies here. How many have read or seen the movie Sense and Sensibility? How many times? How many times, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Let me see if I get this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. The brother, the father dies, and the brother gets the whole inheritance, and mom and the sisters left out in the cold. And there's a scene when they're in the carriage, and it's the brother and his wife. And they talk about the situation of the sisters and the mom. And it starts out, oh, we'll give them this estate outside of London. And then as the carriage goes along, that estate ends up to another estate, which ends up to another estate, which they end up in the smallest cabin and the smallest property they own out in the middle of nowhere land. Right? And if you understand, that's, that is, man, I would hate to be that one. Right? Because that train's coming back to bite you. But, but if you've seen that scene, and I remember I, that scene is burned in my memory because I've had some, had some interesting times with my parents where that scene was very poignant for me. Let's just put it that way. And so it's always burning me, but it's such a, it's such a funny scene because the truth of it. And all of us go through this. You come to a family camp or you hear something like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I need to do this. And then you get home and guess what you do? You do the same thing. Ah, I don't need that much. They can do with this. Well, we had this come up yesterday. We probably should do this much instead of that much. Oh, they can get by. Oh, somebody else will be there to help. And guess what? You either give them a very small gift or you give them nothing. And what I'm saying is whatever you purpose to do in your heart, stick to that. Test him in that and see what he does. Because the blessing isn't just for you, but the blessing is to those that you give to. And one of my prayers constantly is that, man, I'm always praying that, Lord, please, whatever we're handing out to the missionaries, to those that need the help, all that, that you'll multiply that like the loaves and the fishes so that they will be without want because it's a good work they seek to do. And we really need to have that mindset. Romans chapter 12, verses 8 through 13. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to, per to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Others, 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 others. And notice what's he want you to be there? liberal he wants you to be a liberal so next time you're in a conversation say hi i'm a liberal <laughs> I, i've been to oregon i see the light and i am a liberal that's what i want out of it second corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 6 now brethren we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in the great ordeal of affliction and their abundance and joy, their deep poverty overflowed, and in the wealth of their what? Oh my goodness, did God say that? Oh wow. The wealth of their liberality. Obviously he has not watched Fox News. <laughs> For I testify that according to their ability and what beyond their ability, I think that means giving to your own hurt, yeah. is what that means. They gave their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of the participation and the support of the saints. 
And this, not as we had expected, but for the first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that, that, that <clears throat> we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he had also complete in you this gracious work as well. I'm telling you folks, there's no getting around it. You're gonna walk out of here draped in a rainbow flag saying I'm a liberal. <laughs> That's my goal for you. That's God's goal for you. Right? The rainbow is his promise. It's not somebody else's. And the word liberal is not for the other folks. It's for us. We of all people should be liberals. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 15. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all Group participation necessary. <laughs> Liberality. I just need you guys to say it because I know it's hard. Liberal. <laughs> just say it. It's free. <clears throat> just tell them. Anybody ever looked up the definition of liberality? The quality or state of being liberal. Plural. Liberalities. Hmm, that didn't tell me much. So let's look at synonyms and antonyms. The synonym for liberals is big-heartedness, bountifulness, bounty, generosity, generosis, generousness, largesse. I like that word for me. Largesse. <laughs> Munificence. That's a beautiful word. Open-handedness. Right? That flow. Open-heartedness. At the heart of the issue. Philanthropy or unselfishness. Are those all titles you'd like to wear as descriptors for yourselves? All right. Let's go to the antonyms. Cheapness. Closeness. Meanness. Miserliness. Parsimony. Look that up too. Pinching. Oh, here's a good one. Penuriousness. <clears throat> selfishness. Tightness and ungenerosity. Is that who we want to be as Christians? Then you are today a what? Let's say it all together. Liberal. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> so, you know where we need to go. Other miscellaneous thoughts on giving. As we do these things, right, there's always learning lessons. And I will say right now, I would rather err on the side of giving too much than error on the side of giving too little. Okay? But Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, has this little verse we've all read before. Do not give to what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and, and turn and tear you to pieces. What's he talking about there? I submit today that part of that is in your giving. You're going to give to some people that are ungrateful. You're going to give to some people that are not always kind. And they're not very humble, I guess, in how you how they receive that. <clears throat> um, I have heard in the church a couple times, yeah, they're not Christians, but I'll take their money. And it didn't sit right at all at the time. And you've got to ask yourself, well, if that's the case, then don't you want to fix that problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying don't give. Matter of fact, I'm saying... I would rather err on the side of giving too much, giving too little. 
But Matthew 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And what do I mean by that? Some people, like I said, you're going to give to them, and they're going to act like you're doing them, that they're doing you a favor. And you'll know it. I heard it once said that when it comes to women and hugging, I'm a hugger, you guys know that. My wife's a hugger. And I remember in the churches one time, we were at a family camp or something, and somebody's talking about guys giving hugs. And like some women like have the best, no, nope, he's a creep radar. And you know it when you see it. And it's the same way with giving that way. You can tell when it's a bad egg. And I'm just going to leave it at that, do your own study, but I wanted to give you some warning. <clears throat> but when we talk about giving as well, here's another big thing that I've seen as a problem in the church. Give with no strings attached. There are strings attached, but the strings are between the receiver and God, not the receiver and you. It's not your money in the first place. You're not taking it with you. Just give it. And unfortunately, and I've seen this not just in the church, but I've seen it personally when family helps family, and there are strings attached in the giving. Don't be that person. Right? If you give, it's up to them. They don't need to give account to me. I mean, in reason, if somebody says, hey, I want some help in the budgeting of this because it's what you do or you're good at it, that's one thing. But there's no strings attached. They don't owe you anything, right? Because it wasn't yours in the first place. And it was God giving through you. Understand that? God giving through you, not you giving anyway. So there's no strings attached. The strings are between the receiver and God. And if there's problems there, I'll guarantee you God will work that out. I have faith that he will do that. And sometimes you just give through that. But just understand these things. And then lastly, or a couple last points here. Malachi chapter 3. Just kind of get this thing full circle. Malachi chapter 3. And this is the verse that Charlie used. We all know it. But I'm telling you, it's there. And we don't understand it. And we don't think about it. And we don't do it enough. Malachi 3 verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, says God. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says God. And this is two-part. So that I will, it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, or excuse me, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing until it overflows, and I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, after 20-some-odd years of following that advice and being convicted by Charlie Jacobs in that message, this has come true for us. And I'm here, if nothing else, as a testimony. And I understand each one of us has our gifts in the church. I understand that. But all of us, just like all of us should be praying, all of us should be given, all of us should be working on being the light and helping other people get to Christ, it is incumbent upon all of us, and I'm just telling you from my perspective, that we all need to work on this. And if you want the blessing of having no fear of what happens out there economically, you put your faith and trust in God, and you give knowing that I don't have to worry that I'm going to give too much. 
I don't have to worry that I'm going to give away my retirement because I trust him that if I do the right thing, everything will be fine for me. And that means I don't place my hopes and my, my dreams on things in this world. They're not coming with me. They could disappear tomorrow. Jen and I always talk about it. If we were put back to square zero tomorrow, you know what we'd do? Exactly what we've done and go back to work. And praise God and hopefully not sin in the process, right? And that brings us back down to Job. Job chapter 42, verses 10 through 17. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. Notice that? Others focused. Notice that God just didn't immediately restore the fortunes of Job. He restored the fortunes of Job after he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had, what? Twofold. Doubled him. Said, you know what? Good job. You will now be twice as fortunate as you were before this. <clears throat> and then all his brothers and all his sisters and all who had known came before him and they ate bread with him in his house and they consoled him and they comforted him for all the adversities that the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him one piece of money and each a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 100 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima and the second Keziah and the third Karen Hapak. The Bible's first Karen. <laughs> <clears throat> and all in all the land were no women found so fair as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived for 140 years, saw his sons and his grandsons for four generations, and Job died an old man full of days. Brothers and sisters, we can't take anything with us, but we sure can give a lot while we're here. And my encouragement to you is if you want to have no fear what happens in the future, and it's a crazy looking world out there, give, give, give. And we are all going to walk out of here saying we are all now what? Thank you. Praise God.